When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the, the games are over, but the game never stops. Never stops. This is College Football Overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. We are College Football Overtime. Thank you so much for jumping in with us. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon, and I still don't know which way to do it. I've just recorded on this <laughs> side, but it's going to be this side. Uh, for whatever reason, it inverts. And uh, But hey, it's a great day for college football. It was a huge weekend. And honestly, Abe, I think that we finally have some real answers that have come our way in the college football landscape. Georgia dominates Ole Miss. Alabama looks like a completely different team. And yeah. they're now set up in the SEC championship game. The ACC title game is coming closer and closer to understanding. Uh, the Big 12 is just a mess, but I think it might be Texas at the top. We'll get into that one. The Pac-12 is looking very interesting, and the Big Ten had a big answer that we're going to get into. We also have to talk about Jimbo Fisher. Some news came out about the head coach of Texas A&M, and then we're going to rank our college football playoff teams, honestly, and I think we're down to nine. So we'll get our full nine teams and see where they stand as of right now. But before we do any of that, I have to welcome in my co-host, Abe Gordon. Abe, how you doing, buddy? Dude, it was the week, and I, I'd mentioned it previously. It was the week I'd been waiting for, and it delivered. Uh, I, I mean, from like like I always say, noon until night, uh, it was there for us, and uh, woo, we had some fun, man. It was a great Saturday. Oh, it was a great Saturday. It was a it's it's what I like to call a three TV Saturday, uh, or in your case, a four TV four, Saturday. Yeah, four. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and the phone screen, and, and you know, the computer, and we're we're on it. If you're a degenerate gambler like I am, then you probably enjoyed the day because there there were some there were some very interesting results. But before we get into the actual football on the field that we need to talk about, which there's ton of that, a ton of that to talk about, Abe, we got to start with Jimbo Fisher because Jimbo Fisher has been truthfully, I thought he I thought he won his job back. I thought he bought himself another year. The dude's fresh off of a 51 to 10 win against Mississippi State, and then he gets the news that he's being fired. Um, the news as of the time of this recording is not officially official, but as of Sunday, they have a meeting with the, with the team that's set up for later. And I think Pete Thamel has one. Uh, the Tex Ags, who is the 247 sports uh, team site for the Texas A&M, uh, they are also reporting it. They're confirming those reports that, te- that Jimbo Fisher is going to be fired. As of now, it's a $76 million buyout, which is a known record for a head coach. Actually, it's more than double any head coach. That's a lot of money. And I think somebody, Andy Staples from On3, mentioned that this could be a $30 million day, and this could end up costing them upwards of $100 million in buyouts. It's just an incredible sum of money. Texas A&M ponies up, I guess, finally. Uh, but Jimbo Fisher, 45 and 25 in the last six seasons after coming over from Florida State, he won the he won a national title in 2013. He took him to the inaugural college football playoff in 2014. Just never seemed to put it all together over there at Texas A&M. Never made never won the SEC West. Never even never really sniffed the college football playoff outside of 2020 when they finished number four, won the Orange Bowl. Abe, are you surprised by this decision? I'm surprised at the timing. As you mentioned, this kind of makes no sense. They won 51 to 10. Um, So I don't know why it happens now. Um, I'm not surprised overall. This is a guy that, as you mentioned, did not deliver. Um, 
he he comes to Texas A&M off of a national championship with Jameis Winston. Um, he hits top five recruiting classes pretty much every single year. Uh, every single team of his that we talked about is one of the best defensive fronts. There are guys littered in the NFL with his talent, and he could not put it together. And we knew he could not put it together. It, it, it was obvious. They were never what they hired him to be. No doubt about it. This firing was a long time coming. We knew he was going to get fired at some point. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why it was after a 51-10 win as opposed Strange. to at other points in the season. That That's what's confusing to me. The fact that he's gone, the fact that they found the guys to pay his buyout, that's that's all expected. That's all right and good. I, I just don't understand the timing of it. Um, but yeah, look, look, Jimbo Fisher signed an incredible deal. W- one of the greatest coaching contracts in the history of contracts, like college, pro, you name it, doesn't matter. Like it was an incredible deal. Like his agent ought to pat himself on the back, and he probably will with his buyout. But um, th- there was no doubt that we were all headed this way. There, there's no secret here that he was not able to perform when he was hired to perform. He was not brought to Texas A&M to finish second in the SEC West, third in the SEC West. He was brought there to bring championships. Yeah. Hasn't brought championships. So I'm not surprised, uh, but I just I don't understand why after a big win, as opposed to either other parts of this season where I thought there was opportunity or just wait until the end of the year. Um but game on, man. Like, th- this is one of the best jobs in all of college football in, in terms of openings. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited to see what they bring in next. Yeah, and and originally at the time, it was the – I believe it was a record for a college football head coach. Ten years, $95 million fully guaranteed. And a lot of that came because Texas A&M saw that LSU was willing to pony up and pay him. And I think that also – kind of lends itself to some of the firing and the, the disgruntled nature of, of the Texas A&M boosters who have deep pockets. Uh, I, I mean, obviously by <laughs> just by looking at this contract, you know, they have deep contract or deep yeah. pockets. Um, but LSU found immediate success um, under Brian Kelly. Yeah. I mean, he comes in and he immediately goes to an, an SEC West title. And when that was the team that you were directly competing against, they go off. Of course, they they hire my, Ed, Ed Orgeron. He goes and wins a national title. And it's just been a disaster uh, over there at Texas A&M. They've been 19 and 15 since his best result in 2020. That's just unacceptable. I, yeah. I mean, based off of the amount of talent, the amount of funds that go into the program, the and it just where they stand. And you add in the fact that Big Brother in Texas, no offense to any of you Texas A&M fans listening, Big Brother's coming into the conference. Uh, Texas is going to be here next year. Oklahoma is also going to be here next year. Friends, old friends in the. Uh, let let me ask you: do, do you think that played a role, Garrett? Do Do you? I think absolutely fact- think it played a role. If you, If you, you, if you think yeah. it didn't play a role, then I mean, I think we're we're, we're kidding ourselves. Uh, I mean, it, it's it is a serious deal for them that Texas is coming in. Like they have right. to come in and compete at a high level because you're going to be losing recruits, you're losing donors, you're losing uh, eyeballs. I mean, it is a serious time for them. They absolutely need to be playing at the highest possible level when Texas and Oklahoma come in. And and look, it it became increasingly clear that Jimbo Fisher was not going to be the guy to get it done. But quickly, before we move on, I do want to quickly talk about potential names that you could think about. Um, Urban starts with Urban. Urban Meyer is a guy. I I couldn't stand that idea, but I I get that money. money You have to at least force him to say no. You have to call him. He's got too much of a pedigree. Every job that comes open. I know we're dealing with like the Harbaugh nonsense too. Like, I don't care that he was at Ohio state. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like every one of these big jobs, you have to at least ask him. Yeah. And if he says, no, you move on and you have a whole list after that. You don't ask a single person until you made urban Meyer say no. And he probably does say no, by the way. Like, I, I don't think he's, Getting back he into doesn't coaching. strike me as a Texas A&M type of No, I, there was a time yeah. I thought he was going to get back into coaching. I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah. But you have to ask him. It starts there. Uh, after that, boy, 
Uh, it's the coaching carousel. Lance so Leipold, I've actually got. I got Lance a couple Leipold, names written down. Leipold's your next guy. Leip, well, Leipold just signed the new contract. I, I don't, don't know care. what that means. They just paid um, a seventy-five million dollar buyout. You think you're not going to pay Kansas buyout? Come on. Hey, <laughs> seventy-six million dollars. Come on now. We got to yeah, do every, uh, every million counts. Extra million. Lane Kiffin's Lane Kiffin's a name that's been floated. Granted, this is all still very fresh. So it's like we. You mean the guy that just lost. 52 to 17. We'll get into that here in a second. Mike Elko (laughs) is probably, Mike Elko would be my number one if I'm Texas A&M. It's not very sexy, but I I think he would come in. I'll be honest. I don't know if he's big time football. We'll see. We'll see. We'll discuss his result on Saturday as well. Mike Norvell is a name that was floated. Dan Lanning is a name that was floated. Jeff Trailer, University of Texas, San Antonio head coach. He may not be big time enough for them. Maybe they want a big splash like they got with Jimbo Fisher. Maybe they just want some consistency. Chris Kleeman, Kansas State. He's a potential sure. offer. Cliff Kingsbury, Kalen DeBoer. I mean, there are na- there are names out there that could make sense for Texas A&M. If they're willing to go deep into their checkbook, they can make some of these guys absolutely consider coming over to Texas A&M. It's one of the best jobs in college football as far as financial support is concerned, but the pressure is going to be on right away. Uh I do want to get into the actual college football on the football field because, you know, we are college football overtime. We got to talk about the actual college football and we got to start with the team that I think stated its case on Saturday to be the best team in America. I think I thought they were the best team in America before that. But if this score is any indication, this is over the number nine team in the country. This is not over some slap blank that was just you paid to come in and you know, just Michigan lay down and, and get Rutgers. beat. Yeah, yeah, like this isn't this isn't you beating up on Northwestern. This isn't you beating up on Vanderbilt. This isn't you beating up on on the Arizona State, uh, the Sun Devils. I forgot their mascot name for a split second. Sparky, how can you forget Sparky? But this is the old the Ole Miss Rebels are, are the ninth ranked team in the country, or they were the ninth ranked team in the country. They will certainly not be after this result. Kendall Milton flexed his muscles uh, last game in Athens. He had two touchdowns in this game. Carson Beck continued his run as just Mr. Peak efficiency for this Georgia offense. And Brock Bowers really is the big story. He scored a touchdown in his final game, likely his final game in Athens. Uh, But the front sevens, the front seven was dominant. The, The defensive line for Georgia was unbelievable. The offensive line was equally as unbelievable. They run for 300 yards in this game. They account for 611 total yards in this game. They dominated Ole Miss. They did, uh, Garrett. And it was finally, and I say finally because we saw domination against Florida. We saw domination against Kentucky. Um, This was the complete effort Mm -hmm. of a team on a mission to prove that they are the best team in the country and and in my opinion and i've been hesitant to put them up there or i haven't been hesitant the committee has been hesitant to put them up there i I don't know how you deny it uh i i don't care what ohio state has done you you get to a point where Mm -hmm. the resume starts to even out here and this is the sort of win where you're just like i i don't know what you do with this um the second half that Georgia had was was incredible. It, it was one of the most dominant halves of football that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a team that won the national championship a year ago by 60 points. Uh, <laughs> and I think yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday night, may have been equally as dominant as anything they did a year ago or two years ago. It was complete manhandling, and they had no shot, uh, Ole Miss. And... Um, I, I don't think you can deny it at this point. I, I don't know if there are arguments against it. I, I do think you can argue Michigan. I don't think you could put Ohio State ahead of Georgia. Not this team. Not anymore. Um, you get Brock Bowers back, as you mentioned, and um, 50 points in an SEC <laughs> game, man. It's just, it's just like I know there are some teams that are, that are obviously like LSU with their defense. A, lot, a couple teams could probably score 50. This was the number top nine team, as you mentioned. This this is a top ten matchup, and you beat them like it was no it offense, like a drum, Kennesaw State or something. Like it, yeah. it, it was like one of those warm up games before rivalry week or something. It, it was, it was uncompetitive and uh, for a good reason. It, it, this was a team that finally looks like they're going to win a national championship, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. 
because you do have to keep that level of play, keep that consistency. That's the one yeah. thing I've always said about Georgia. I know that team is there. They showed that on Saturday night. That team is there. Do you bring it out every week? They go to Tennessee in a week's time. We'll talk about that more on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, oh, man, what a effort. It was um, that's the best team in the country, Garrett. It is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. And, and we're going to get into our college football playoff rankings here when we finish up the show today. But it looked like Ole Miss was going to give them a, a run for their money right there at first. But they had four consecutive games allowing a touchdown on their opening drive. Uh, it looked kind of shaky at first. But then they take a 28 to 14 lead. Should have been 31 to 14, really, after the uh, the field goal at the. But Carson Beck throws an interception, only his third of the season. He's just continued to play at a high level. The defense dominates, only holds Ole Miss, a really good offense to three points. Now eyes turn to Jackson Dart, his health after getting banged up in this game. Quinshawn Judkins had a good performance, 75 yards and two touchdowns. Granted, most of that game in the first half, they were largely shut out in the second half. Uh, and they kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter down big, which Mike Conti, the uh, program director of 92.9 The Game, mentioned just sort of a laughable thing. <laughs> you weren't winning. interesting get your guys some work man yeah sure. Yeah. Get, get your kickers some work but out there. <laughs> uh, overwhelmingly it's just an incredible day georgia now is going to be playing in the sec championship game for the third year in a row i believe uh florida played in 2020 but they win their 27th straight or 26th straight game looking to make their 27th straight game right or is it 27 now either way they've won an incredible amount of games they continue to dominate at home uh, but let's turn our attention to the team that they are actually going to be playing oh in boy. Atlanta. Oh boy. A team that is seemingly playing its best football right now, the University of Alabama. And we got to start with Jalen Milrow. His play has just been spectacular. He accounted for six touchdowns in this game, three on the ground, three, uh, three through the air. I think he became the first SEC quarterback in history to do that. Just or maybe he was the first Alabama. One or one or the other. Still very impressive. Tells me Tim Tebow did that at some point. I don't don't know. Something tells me Tim Tebow did something (laughs) like that. But in his last six games, he has just completely rewritten this. Just his season. Yeah. Sixty-seven percent, eleven yards per attempt, twenty-one touchdowns just in his last six games. Jalen Milrow is truthfully the number one reason why Alabama has turned it around. The defense continues playing at a high level. They held. uh, They dominated Devin Leary. 158 yards in the interception. They hounded him three sacks. And it was just, they're playing at a high level. They're clicking on all cylinders. It's going to make for a very interesting SEC title game. Yeah, you're 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 dead on. Um, the question we had a week ago was, okay, you did this against LSU. Is this the new normal for your offense? Or was this because it was LSU? I think we saw on Saturday, this is the new normal. And, uh, Georgia did not need to be scared against Missouri. They did not need to be scared against Ole Miss. I do not believe they need to be scared in a week's time against Tennessee. And we'll talk about that game on Thursday morning. But they need to be scared about this SEC title game because what Alabama is doing right now is terrifying. Um, I did not think we would be at a point in this season where the offense had it figured out like this. Um, And and you've mentioned it before, like – Careful who who you bury, because burying Nick Saban is the wrong guy to turn the lights out on, right? Um, This is an Alabama team that looks like a national champion. And uh, that was a, that Texas loss was a long time ago. And they benched the quarterback against South Florida. That was a long time ago. Totally reborn team. Like the Mm -hmm. Undertaker popping out of the casket, man. Like, here comes Nick Saban. And they look like a team ready to win another national championship. Now, that doesn't mean that what we saw the last two weeks can't be stopped, can't be slowed down, et cetera. But it's going to be a tough time doing it. And, um, man, they they have been really impressive. And for an offense, like you said, that I, I thought was limited for quite a while in terms of the deep ball, and that's all they could do. Now that they've unlocked Milrow, um, it's seemingly to his full potential. This is a team that should scare everyone in the country, Georgia included. It really should. Yeah, and and the rushing attack is really what I'm looking at. Outside of Jalen Milrow, the, the obvious player of the game in this one. Uh, Alabama, 159 yards on the ground. That sounds pretty good. But when you win in a game like this, I would expect you to have a little bit more rushing 
you know, Jace McClellan, who has been the bell cow for them, only had nine attempts, 4.8 yards per carry. He's pretty good. I thought he would be more of a feature in this game. If you're gonna, if we're looking ahead, Justice Haynes is another great player. I mean, look, you you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys take a, take snaps and, and carries for Alabama. Very interesting committee approach that they did right you think there. It was the just Those are the guys this, I'm looking at. Do you think it was just like this game was 21 nothing, like immediately? Like, like literally Tennessee, immediately? Uh, Kentucky came back. Kentucky came back and made this an interesting game at one point. They were down 21-7, and they were looking to make an impact in this, but it was just turnovers and everything else. The yeah. Alabama, but what I'm saying is like you flip it over, they dominated the Kentucky rushing attack, which they have continued to be probably the best – one of the best rush defense defenses right. in the country. Yeah. Of course, you have the teams up in the Big Ten who I really don't know who they are. Um, we'll get into them a little bit because I think we figured out a little bit about who they are on Saturday. Uh, but they held Ray, da- held Ray Davis, who, who has had just a fantastic season, to 26 yards rushing, 2.2 yards per carry. This Alabama defense has been unbelievable. Everything advertised, everything that we expected them to be coming into this season. But this Kentucky offense is not – this is two weeks in a row that we've had teams that are very one-dimensional that Alabama has just sort of flexed its muscle on. This is going to be a completely different contest when they play Georgia, and I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion. I cannot wait to get into it. We're going to do that all over the next couple of weeks as we build into our conference championship weekends. But they still have to play Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium and crazy things – have happened there in the past if you're Alabama. But I do want to finish up here in the S or actually no, I have two more SEC games because we got to talk about what happened down there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> you're the Florida guy. But you know, Missouri and Tennessee. Missouri is, yeah. I think, the best two loss team in the country right now. I think they that's flexed, a statement. Yeah. I think they flexed their muscle in this game after coming off of the game against Georgia. I wanted to see what they were going to do. I thought Tennessee was going to be able to find some success on offense. I thought they were going to be able to run the ball at least with somewhat some level of success. Tell me how Tennessee finishes this game with 83 yards rushing. This is a squad that generally was a 200-plus yard rushing team. They were a top-five offense at running the football. Missouri holds them to 83 yards. Joe Milton, they, made a, they wanted Joe Milton to beat him. The CBS broadcast yeah. wasn't able to – display the starters for Tennessee until the second quarter. You could see what the Missouri game plan was pretty quickly. Cody Schrader dominated this game. He is really, I mean, we talked about Jalen Milrow being the player of that game. He's absolutely the player of this game outside of just the defense as a whole. Schrader is a man on fire, caught five passes, 116 yards, 205 yards rushing. He's the first player in SEC history with 200 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving. The dude is an animal. Also scored another touchdown after week after just a fantastic effort against the Georgia Bulldogs. I'll say it again. They're the best two-loss team in the country. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about 300 all-purpose yards for this dude, and he absolutely dominated. This was a game that, as you mentioned, the, the, the game plan was make Joe Milton beat us, and he certainly did not, and uh, it showed. It really just confirms what I learned a week ago in that Missouri-Georgia game, is that Georgia's really good. Missouri's really good, too. And that was a really good win. And so I'm not going to get all caught up in in the numbers from a week ago. But this just reconfirmed that Missouri's legitimate. There's no denying it at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, I I liked Missouri coming into this game. I did not know the status of Luther Burden uh, in terms of how close to 100% he would be. Barely even mattered. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of what Schrader was able to do. And and you're right. Th- this is a Missouri team that was at home. They were comfortable. Uh, Brady Cook was cooking. And um, that that is the, the, the best two-loss team. Um, and they're probably better than a number of one-loss teams while you're at it. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it, it just – it almost goes back to what Georgia was able to do at home. It's almost more impressive seeing what they were able to do against Tennessee because I thought this was a good game. I thought Missouri was a better team. I thought certainly if Luther Burden was healthy, 100%, they're the better team. Yeah. I didn't think they were this much better. Um, and and it just, it just stamps the fact that they're really good, which means that Georgia beating them by double digits is pretty good too. Yeah, and – 
Well, I think I think Georgia just beat him by nine. Nine, two scores. Nine. Two scores. Two scores. That's points, the important yeah. thing. Um, but look, at the end of the day, this is a Tennessee team that had a lot to play for too, and Missouri, by all means, nationally didn't. They were eliminated from the SEC title race, uh, right. but they could still go play in a New Year's Six bowl, and I think they absolutely can and will after the result. Like I don't this, know, they man. They got to face running. Florida. Ooh, we'll see. Uh, but hey, we'll we'll get into that discussion here in just a second. But look, Tennessee. Tennessee had a lot to play for, and Missouri still brings him in and just punches him in the mouth. And Tennessee had no answer. And, and this just continues to prove that Joe Milton. Do you, do you switch? Do, he's do you he's make fine. That? We, we You're not going to make. Nico's not going to make his first start against Georgia. I, that's just oh, that's, a, that's a disservice. Yeah, that's a, that's a humanitarian that. issue. Yeah. Like no, you're you need right. to call in the national guard if you're going to do that to him, man. Yeah, you're I mean, right. Ooh, let's not talk about that one. But Tennessee had a lot to play for, and and they get punched in the mouth and. Like we mentioned before, Georgia is going to go represent the SEC East for the third year in a row in Atlanta. Uh, final game in the SEC. I, look, I, I'm talking about individual players. We have Jalen Milrow playing exceptionally well. We have uh, Cody Schrader playing at a high level. Can we talk about Jaden Daniels? Jaden Daniels for a second. I, I mean, this look, guy. I'll, I'll just say it because I don't want to oh talk God. about this game in depth. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. That's your Heisman. What, what he did uh, on Saturday night. He's the best player in the country. Uh, Caleb Williams is impressive, but Jaden Daniels is the best player in the country. And and that's all I got to say. Um, it, it, he did something that's never been done in the history of college football Yeah, on Saturday night. And um, it doesn't even seem that difficult to, uh, to accomplish stats-wise, and it's never been done. And he did it. Um, Garrett, he, he, he deserves the Heisman. I think that's... Really, all there is to be said about this one. I mean, he yeah. LSU accounted for 700 yard, yards of total offense, 11 and a half yards per play. Jaden Daniels accounted for about 600 of those 700 yards. It was, it's unbelievable. I mean, he against the six top 50 defenses that he's played this year by SP Plus, ESPN's metric, his numbers against those teams. I did the math this morning 68% completion percentage, 21 touchdowns, three interceptions and 453 <clears throat> yards of offense per game, Abe Gordon. Like, I understand, like, if you have get, if you gave, and this is just a, a work of malpractice by the LSU defense, because if you if you gave him even a serviceable defense, I'm not even saying, yeah. like, a good defense. Yeah. Like, one that's, like, in the 70s, 60s. Yeah. Not, just not 115. Yeah. We're talking about this team winning a national championship. That's how good this offense the, the, is. The numbers are better there than they were with Joe Burrow and it's and, un- unbelievable. And Jefferson and Chase, like it just they are. It, it, look, he's the first quarterback in the history of the game to throw for three hundred and run for two hundred, and it wasn't like two hundred and two or three hundred four. It was three seventy and three touchdowns. Yeah. It was two thirty and two touchdowns. Like it, it's just it wasn't cheap. No, he's the best player it. in the game. And and like with the exception of a week ago in, in which he was knocked out uh before the end of it, uh, I mean they've scored what 30 points in uh, in every single game since that season opening loss to Florida State. It, it, the numbers are wild. It's he's the best player in the country. He's the best individual player in the country. I don't care about the team win-loss record. He deserves the Heisman. Yeah, he's seven. They're seven and three now on the season. Yeah. Graham Mertz, Trevor Etienne both had really good games in this one, too. Uh, completely overshadowed by just the the incredible game from Jaden Daniels. Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors both go over 130 yards. It's just the best offense in America, and they continue to do it. And, and look, they now they got to go finish the season out. Let's see what they can do with it. Um, it's just such a, a, a what could have been type of season for LSU, just in my opinion. But uh, we got to move into the Big Ten, Abe, because some crazy things happened. We had not a lot of fireworks, more just a lot of duds, but uh, it was a pretty dominating effort for Michigan in this game. 24-15 was your final. Blake Corum was a beast in this game. Uh, we had death by a thousand paper cuts because the Wolverines ran the ball 20 straight times at one point in the second half. J.J. McCarthy was surprisingly uh, I quiet. I think you got up one. that number. It was 30 straight times. Was it 30 straight times? Yeah. 
Sweet. Oh my! And here, uh, here lies the uh, Heisman campaign of JJ McCarthy because they weren't putting up on his hands at all. No. He was just handing off, and and you know that that was where it went. Um, and don't let the scoreline fool you. Penn State got a late touchdown to make this a little bit closer than it was. This was, and and feel free to jump in here if you disagree, Garrett. I'm going to make a statement, and feel free to disagree. More so than. Uh, Texas going on the road and beating Alabama more so than Washington beating um, Oregon more so than anything Ohio State did. This was on the road the most impressive victory of the entire season. Do you disagree? No, uh, no, that's not. This isn't the biggest win of the season. You don't think so? I just, no, I, I think, not. I. I this is I think it's the most impressive win of the season. Of winning against a top 10 team. No, I, I expected Michigan was a favorite in this game. No, I, I, I'm not. No, like, let's not. Let's not blow right, Penn right. State up into something. It's not like Penn State's a good football team. I picked them to win this game. But don't don't forget that I picked it's them still to win going on the road game. and dominating. They did. They, and they looked really good. And, yeah. and look, Drew Aller just continues to show that he's not a big game quarterback. Uh I mean, maybe it's just because you're playing against two really good defenses, but he's completely disappeared in two of the biggest in the two biggest games of his of his career to this point. He was 10 of 22, 70 yards and a touchdown, 3.2 yards per attempt. Like, yeah, that's that's anemic to the highest order. Um, I said that they were going to have to run the ball. They did. They run for 164 yards. If you told me that they run for 100 ran for 164 yards, Abe. I probably think that they would have won this game if you had told me that beforehand. But you allowed Michigan to run for 227 yards. Not quite exactly what it was last year where they ran for four bills, but 227 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done. Like, I'm sorry. Michigan has a very clear identity. They want to run the ball. J.J. McCarthy, just don't beat him. I just don't don't let him beat you, I guess. And right. he just he took his full-on Buck Baloo here and just handed the ball off to Blake Corum. He threw the ball eight times. <laughs> it's it's weird, man. It was seven it, eight. Like, it's great. This is classic Big Ten football. But, no, I mean, I disagree with your, your sentiment there, but I, I think yeah, I don't. this is a huge win for Michigan. This is a huge win for Michigan, especially with everything going on off the field, which I don't really want to get into too much. But I do want to ask you, how weird, in your opinion, were those post-game tears of Schroen? It seemed forced. It, it seemed acting it seemed uh insincere um it was weird man it, it that was, was weird yeah there, there, there's no denying that was odd um it did not seem legitimate it seemed it seems forced um they just continue to victimize themselves with this whole thing and look i i does the punishment fit the crime i don't know I mean, we discussed it on college football game time on saturday uh you and i disagree uh on the severity of 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 all of this stuff but well i don't I, no not the severity just the timeline this? the timeline to the me timeline makes it. yeah and i get that, that. Was... and i get that and and does the punishment there fit the crime i we'll discuss that later but the tears were weird the michigan versus everybody was weird it continues to be weird but look great teams sometimes need motivation uh it's just you've won the big 10 three years or two years in a row looking to make it a third and they've set up a matchup with Ohio State down the road that'll mm -hmm. decide the Big Ten now, uh, because I don't think there's a team in the in that conference who could contend with either of those two teams. Um, Michigan and Ohio State's setting up to be just a slugfest of a football game, uh, the game that everybody in this country deserves. You know, I mean, I'm really excited to see those two teams square up and play. And I, I can't remember is it at Michigan this year or is it at Ohio State? It's at Michigan and at Michigan. So that should make it for yeah. a very, very interesting game. Good for Michigan though, because that was going to be a toxic hellhole for them. If they was going to be in Ohio state, even more so this year than past years, just because of all of the scandal and everything else that's going on. But I think Michigan sent a message to college football with this win. They are a tough, tough, tough SOB. And they're going to be a, a handful for, for anybody who wants to play, line up and play against them. Look, I I understand why you want to undersell this. Um, I'm trying to. I just I, look. I, I, I just I, no, I I think this is a good Penn State team. They're legitimate. Um, the same way that Missouri is legitimate as a two loss, like that'd be a great battle of two loss squads. Would be Missouri and Penn State. Th this is a legitimate squad. Uh, 
don't know what's going on there. Uh, this is a legitimate squad. And um, I think this is one of the most, I think is the most impressive victory of the entire season. Um, of all the games that we talked about being great wins, most of them are at home. Uh, Texas goes on the road. They beat Texas. Sure. At, at, or Excuse me. They beat Alabama. Different Alabama team. Like it, it just wasn't the same squad as they are now. I think this is the best win of the season. I, I really do. I, I think there was complete and utter game control. And um, we, we talked about it. J.J. Uh, uh, McCarthy's Heisman campaign never got started because they decided to powerhouse the ball. And they did so to a 24-7 to seven lead or, or whatever the score was, eight, whatever sure. it was. Um, it was dominant. And this was the most impressive victory to me. And um, we'd asked a lot of questions about Michigan, right? Uh, they, they, they hadn't played anyone. Well, now they have, and they dominated them on the road uh, in a hostile environment to the point where in a couple weeks against Ohio State, who seems to have figured out their offense, <clears throat> that, that feels like a national championship game. Uh, it, it really does. Those, the, the, these might be the two. And I know Georgia's in the discussion, too. They, they might be the two best teams in the country. Michigan proved all I needed to have them prove. Uh, with this win um, and maybe I'm overselling it and, and that's fair uh, in the moment though this feels like the best performance of the season that, that that's just my stance on on what I saw um, at noon on Saturday they, they they go out they they immediately have to punt the ball uh, and you're like all right we got ourselves a game and then it just it was never a game it, it just Penn State never got anything going um, there was nothing to be had on offense for Penn state because of the Michigan defense, because of the defensive backs who shut down Lambert Smith and, and drew Aller and, and, and that pass game. I, I don't know, man, I'm not saying they're the best team in the country. Uh, I'm not saying they're even going to beat Ohio state in a couple weeks, but mm -hmm. just stand alone. Mm -hmm. I thought this was the best performance of the season. I really did. Yeah. I, I mean, the stats, I mean, just looking, uh, honestly, this is one of those games that I feel like the eye test versus the box score sure. tell different stories. Sure. Uh, the eye test, I completely agree with you. After watching the football game, like you watched it on Saturday, it was like, wow, Michigan dominated this game. But you go back and look at the box score, Penn State had more first downs. Penn State was, well, they had, well, third down efficiency. They were but, but, yeah, but basically before their the final same. drive. Total with, yards, they were like, 50 yards. For their final Michigan drive with two minutes left, they, they had two first uh, downs in the entire second half. I I mean, th there was nothing yeah. there. Yeah, it, it's it's just Penn State. Penn State, I think the story for them is the fact that their offense just continues to be anemic in the biggest in the biggest what games else of the season. I mean, Drew Aller, bad game from him. The rushing attack, 164 yards, I thought was going to be able to get it done. But the rush defense just didn't and 227 yards against a really good Michigan offensive line. Yeah. If I'm Michigan though, I'm not beating Georgia this way. I'm probably not going to be at Ohio state this way. Correct. They need, they need more of a complete performance to, for me to Great point. agree with your point that they're the, this was the best performance in the Great country. Point. That's Great really point. my biggest thing. They ran the ball with success because they found success. And look at the end of the day, if you're pulling off, if you want to grow three yards in a cloud of dust and it's working, by all means, do what you got to do. Go pull your Woody Hayes and do what you got to do. But that's not going to be to Georgia. That's not going to be to Ohio State. You're that right. might not beat Oregon. I Washington's not going to lay over and die if you play them in the first round of the college football playoff. I, like that's just not what they're going to do. So, no, I don't think that that it's it's on that level as one of those teams. Just my eye test. No, I, I I look, but I, I think you raise a great point. I will say this: it, it, it's. Did they do that because that's all they could do, or did they do that because that was what was working? That's my question. Uh, yeah, right. Because I, we have we don't have an answer to that. You're right. We don't have an I answer. Don't have an James answer. McCarthy was seven of eight. Like like he was still efficient. They were they were getting efficient. things done in you the past. You can't really game. be efficient if you only attempt eight passes, Abe. You still complete seven of them. That's not that bad. That's sure, good. sure, sure. But, but you're right. They're not beating the other teams. Yeah, the they beat Penn State. I, I think yeah. that's a great point from you. So. Let's move on into the Pac-12 because Washington, the team that we just mentioned, who continues to have uh, a pretty fantastic season. I thought that this this scoreline is, is probably not fully indicative of the actual outcome of this game. I said it was going to be a one-score game. 
I'll, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back for that one because it ended up being a one-score game, but 35-28 is your final. Michael Penix continues to make the big throw. Whenever they needed him, they, he would step in. Uh, Bryson Barnes, full credit where credit is due. He played a great game, uh, but the interceptions were backbreakers for Utah. Uh, but the Huskies survive, and they continue to trod through a very difficult Pac-12. Yeah, th- this was a odd game because it felt like they were the better team, but every time they did anything, Utah kept striking back. It, it was uh, very impressive from Utah, but for Penix and Kalen DeBoer and this Washington squad to come out of this victorious was – was um this was championship material. Um, that's what that was to me on, on, on Saturday. Um just just a, a complete effort and the defense specifically the defense in the second half was was a complete turnaround i don't know what happened in the first half uh but what they did in the second half that's the defense that we had been asking for and looking for and like it hasn't been there it had not been there for weeks uh and i don't know what changed at halftime that's the team that can win a national championship though. The the team we saw in the second half, that Washington squad, yeah. they can win a national championship because that defense was legitimate. They completely shut down Utah and um, dominated. I, I know they didn't like massively outscore them in the second half, but the second half was domination. Uh, they obviously get an interception. They get a safety um, and they get a couple things, in, including a stop at the end of the game to, to finish thinking this thing off. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was uh, that second half is something they should take and carry forward, figure out what worked for them and, and move that because that was the team that we saw beat Oregon and that we saw be impressive the first four weeks of the season. They've been slumping around a little bit, but but what they did defensively in that second half is is that's that championship stuff right there. Yeah, they look very good. <clears throat> they shut out Utah in the second half. Score only 11 points of their own, but you know what? At the end of the day, you do what you got to do, and you just continue to roll. Make it the Just get to the Pac-12 title game yeah. and let the rest take care of itself because if if Washington makes it through the rest of the season unscathed, which the schedule continues to to roll out, we'll, we'll continue to get into that. We'll, we'll, we'll break all that stuff down on Thursday. But I do want to talk about their likely opponent, uh, a team that looked also pretty good. Uh, not as good as I would have hoped necessarily, right. but good enough. And you have that 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 sort of boost, if you will, from a USC defense that just fired its defensive coordinator. I'll admit they played better than I expected them to. Bo Nix goes nuclear, 415 yards, four touchdowns. He's now the the betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. I know we talked about Jaden Daniels, but Bo Nix is now the betting favorite as far as Vegas is concerned. But they never quite pulled away. Uh, they they end up winning this game 36. To 27, USC loses its third straight game. And look, Lincoln Riley, it's been a brutal season for the Trojans this year. And it all comes down to the defense. They just still are unable to get it done. You score 27 points, you shouldn't lose by double digits. Uh, well, technically only nine, right? So, since since you caught me on that Georgia comment against Missouri earlier. Uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, th- th- this was a Oregon team that just keeps putting together good performances and and yes you would have liked to have seen them dominate a little more but it, it's very tough to dominate that usc team it, it just is we saw that a week ago uh, uh against washington we we saw it saturday night against oregon as well uh that that's an offense that just won't quit and caleb williams is is rightfully so probably quarterback one in the upcoming mm-hmm. nfl draft but this was an oregon team that again showed that they might just be the most complete and best team in in the country. Um, it, it, it's, it, it really is tough to argue if they have a rematch with Washington, how that line would at least set up. I don't know who the better team is, I, I but I, I don't see how Vegas would be favored Washington in, in that game. Um, Oregon, once again, impresses. Bo Nix impresses, um, and rightfully so with that Heisman stat you had. Yeah, Bucky Irving, 19 carries in this game, 118 yards, averages 6.2 yards per carry, one touchdown. <clears throat> we talked about balance. There's no team that has balance like the Oregon Ducks do right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they play – I mean, holding USC just in general to 27 points is a pretty pretty strong effort. Uh, 
this is just a great game. You know, a great game from the Oregon Ducks. I'm, I'm very impressed with what we saw from them. And it's looking more and more like it's just a, a countdown to Washington and Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Arizona continued to its run. Uh, they got the win, be it not a comfortable one against Colorado. Uh, Oregon State, they're at 5-2. and two. They can still upset the Pac-12 title picture with a win against yeah. Oregon because you still have to play that in Civil War as we finish up the season. But at the end of the day, Oregon looks like a, like a machine right now. And Washington is going to be a very fascinating rematch. And I think that's the game that everybody really wants to see when we get to the Pac-12 title game. Can Washington do it for a second time? But hey, we still have a lot of football before we get to that. So I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. Uh, but one place I do want to go is to the great state of Texas because the Longhorns just escape the TCU Horned Frogs. And Abe, this is becoming a trend with the Longhorns yeah. because they blew a 26 to 6 lead on this on Saturday. They did the identical thing against Kansas State where they blow a lead, nearly lose that one in overtime, or double overtime. I think they should have lost that game. They blew a lead against Houston where they led 21 to nothing. And then three weeks ago, they blew a lead against Oklahoma, where they led 30 to 27 with a minute and 17 left in this game in that game. Yes, they've won four straight games after that loss. I'm not comfortable with the Texas Longhorns right now. I, I just am not. Quinn Ewers comes back, makes his return, 317 yards for him. He scores a touchdown. Uh Jonathan Brooks also puts together a really strong effort. He goes over to the hundred yard mark, averages five yards per carry, scores two touchdowns. Who the hell are these Texas Longhorns? Because they seem like they're one team in the first three quarters and a different team entirely in the fourth quarter. You get outscored 20-3 to three in the final frame. That's unacceptable. That's not going to be enough. And if you cannot establish yourself and keep your foot on the gas, it's going to burn you eventually. The Big 12 is still a pretty good conference. It's going to burn you eventually. Yeah, and if it doesn't burn you in conference, uh, either regular season or conference championship, it, it'll burn you in, in, theoretically in the playoffs if you get there. This is a coaching issue, Garrett, and you bring up a great point, and I've never been a believer in Sark. Um, and and it was great to see Quinn Ewers get back out there, and he looked, you know, they, they were rolling early, and it just it just died. Um, the, the only inverse is is probably that Wyoming game where they they were bums for three quarters and then they look great in the fourth quarter they need to find some of that where they came alive yeah. um I turned this game off I'll be honest it, it they they it, it got side side TV action uh that that's how they looked early and then uh, like you mentioned it came back late yeah you're right um it's good to escape with a win and and Everything is still in front of them in terms of what they need. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, this is a coaching issue. And um, they got to get that figured out because that's not going to play against better opponents. TCU is not very good. No, they're TCU's, not exactly. TCU is not very good. No, um, they're not. They need to be burying these teams. They need to be doing what Kentucky – or, excuse me, what Alabama did to Kentucky or what Georgia did to Ole Miss um, or, or you go through the list. Uh, they need to be burying teams, and they're just simply not. No, and next week you're on the road at Iowa State, which is a respectable opponent. Uh, they're five and two on the season. They're playing for a chance to go represent the Big Twelve in the title game. Um, they got a lot to play for. Then you finish the game, the season at Tech, or against Texas Tech at home. That's also a pretty respectable opponent. They're five and five on the season, but they're still a good team. We've seen what they're capable of. The Red Raiders. Um, the the Big Twelve is is grown increasingly complicated. I think it's the Texas is still the class of the conference, but if I'm being honest, I think Texas and the Big 12 are playing themselves potentially out of a rep out of a chance to play in the in the college football playoff. Texas's win against Alabama, we're going to get into this here in just a second. I think their win against Alabama is really the only thing that's left keeping them. That, well, that win's doing a lot of heavy lifting for the Big 12. It's it is. Ugh, yeah, I don't, I don't know uh, because elsewhere in the Big 12, that you're presumed second place team loses that's that's me waving goodbye to ollie gordon's heisman campaign sorry yeah yeah <laughs> For those of you listening on podcast it, it's it's yeah it, it's you're, you're waving goodbye to ollie gordon's heisman sorry hopefully. man and, and I, I know you I fought was a good so fight. excited you fought the good fight for so I long man hyped this <laughs> man up so much and how i can he do so this to you not to them how can he do it to you 
I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Ollie Gordon accounts for 50 total yards, 27 rushing or 25 rushing, 27 receiving. It's just a miserable piss poor effort from the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Mike Gundy is just, this is just a Mike Gundy game. At the end of the day, Oklahoma State goes on, they get their win against Oklahoma and Bedlam, and then they just yeah. fall asleep at the wheel and drive it off the road. It's just an embarrassing performance from Oklahoma State. I understand UCF had really cool looking uniforms. The baby blues were out there. The space uniforms, they they play, they play put those on, and all of a sudden the offense takes off with Gus Malzahn. John Rice Plumley, 299 yards, three touchdowns. He averaged 16.6 yards per completion in this game. Just, just an incredible game. R.J. Harvey, 206 yards rushing, three touchdowns for that young man. This game was drunk, and Oklahoma State, just an embarrassing display. It has now made the, the 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 race for the Big Twelve title, or at least who, who else is going to be represented in that right. in that conversation? It's now super convoluted and complicated. Oklahoma State has that tiebreaker over Oklahoma, but they don't have it over Iowa State. Uh, they got it over Kansas State, but those are your five and two teams. Like it's just who knows what to expect out of this conference anymore. It's just it's just, it's just kind of craziness. Yeah, for this game specifically, it was one of those where I look at it on the schedule, like, all right, man, they'll they'll show up, take care of business, um, and get out of there. And they just simply never showed up, Garrett. It, it, it was an embarrassing performance. Um, coaching malpractice to not have your guys ready. Uh, there's no reason this game should be a 42-point uh, margin of victory. Uh, certainly not, at least for UCF. Uh, if you had told me someone was going to win by 42, I'd have said, oh, man, Ollie Gordon is winning the Heisman and Oklahoma State rolls. Uh, I never saw this coming. Came out of nowhere. Um, and someone's got some explaining to do because it was right there in front of them in terms of Oklahoma State, top 15 team, and going to the Big 12 title game. Uh, it's not as simple as that anymore. So no. I, I don't know I don't know what that was, um, but it was embarrassing. I know that. It was a piss poor effort from Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, I, I if I'm if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I'm, I'm very disappointed. Look, you can still go play in a Big Twelve title game. You still have things to play for, but the the Jekyll and Hyde season where you lose in a big way to UCF and South Alabama, like, and then you go on, on and beat Oklahoma and Bedlam, and, and it's just it's a crazy season in the Big Twelve, and crazy things seem to happen in that conference every single year. And I, I don't know who they are. Ollie Gordon, I was expecting more from him, and I'm very disappointed just in general. But Florida State, talking about a team who just needs to win. They just won, and they barely won against the Miami Hurricanes, who honestly looked pretty good in this game. I would say Emory Williams, I think he was a lot better than that stat line indicates. He finishes 8 of 23, 175 yards, has the two touchdowns. He leaves with an injury. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke comes back into the game, and as Tyler Van Dyke does, Throws an interception, um, which is just the backbreaker here in this game. The rushing attack worked pretty well. I think the Miami front seven also did really, really well in this game. They contained the Florida State rushing attack really effectively. Uh, Trey Benson had a really good game, but most of those came on the 138-yard touchdown run. He has 80 yards in this one, two touchdowns. Jordan Travis is really the story here. Uh Dude runs for, he throws for 265 yards, has the touchdown in the return of Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, who were pretty quiet, all things considered. Uh, they put together a pretty good game. Jordan Travis spread the ball around pretty effectively, threw the ball to seven different guys. Florida State looks good, but is the eye test going to pass? If, all, if push comes to shove, an undefeated Florida State team who seems to be scraping by opponents, is that going to be enough? when it's all said and done, because the ACC is just continue to bludgeon itself. And we can get into, into scenarios and everything else, but I think of every team in America who needs to look good every single week, I think the eye test is more important for Florida State than it is for anybody. Yeah, I understand what you're asking, but an undefeated Florida State's getting in. Uh, th this was a game that was 27-13, um, and it was – it looked headed for an interception late and, and it became a fluke touchdown, long touchdown for, yeah. for the Kings uh, to make this a little bit more competitive. And Florida state had to hold ground a little bit the last five, six minutes of this game. But um, no, I, I look and undefeated Florida state's getting in there. There's no question. There, there's no, there's no argument. 
that 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 if they run the table and they win the ACC title game, they're in. They're a lock. Um, as, as as much of a lock as Georgia would be if they win the SEC, or Michigan would be if they win the Big Ten. They're, they're a lock if they if they run the table. I, I get it. I, I get what you're asking, and, and it's a fair question. I, I do think the score of this game doesn't feel the way that the actual gameplay felt. It did feel like it was Florida State in control the whole time, at least mm-hmm. to me. But, um, yeah, that late touchdown with six minutes left or whatever it was uh, made it interesting. But they held they held what, you know the final couple minutes and did what they had to do to escape with a win. Rivalry games are always weird. They're yeah. going to have one with Florida. Uh, it could get weird there too, but, but no, an undefeated Florida state gets in. There's no denying it. Yep. And they've locked up their trip to the ACC title game. Who are they going to play? Potentially Louisville. All Louisville's got to do is win against this Miami squad. And they locked their trip to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina to play Florida state in a game that could end up being very interesting. Florida state now has North Alabama before they finish on the road in the swamp at Florida. So if you're Florida state, if what you're saying is true, Abe, just win, baby. Just win. Hopefully that's going to be enough for Florida State. We'll see. They won't have any problems with North Alabama. Uh, you can just throw your helmet out onto the field in that one. But Florida, rivalry games, like you said, weird, weird things happen. Uh, but I, I just don't really buy Florida State as a team right now, just in general. And that's just my opinion. I understand you're if they're in the title game or if they're in the playoff, that's fine. Uh, but there's going to be a little bit of jockeying for that third position in right. the college football playoff because I'm assuming Georgia's going to be that number one team. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, be the four. They'll it'll be, be very four. interesting. So I, I think it's going to be a, a fun final stretch to the season, but uh, lots to keep our eye on. The last one that we're going to discuss here before we get into our college football playoff rankings, North Carolina and, and Duke, the battle for the Liberty Bell, the Tobacco Road rivalry. It delivers. And this game, I said the Oklahoma State game was drunk. This game was inebriated to the highest order. Uh, Grayson left Loftus was Mr. Clutch for Duke up until the very final moments of the game. He connected, uh, scored 41 seconds left to take a lead. And then Drake may comes powering back, uh, to force overtime. And this game at the very least, it was an entertaining one. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it, it did not mean as you referenced, it did not mean what we hoped it would mean a couple weeks ago. But it was a fun game. Uh, yeah. Drake, Drake May, to me, uh, just went out and proved um, quarterback two. Uh, he, he's the second best quarterback um, pro prospect-wise mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the country. Uh, I don't care how many incompletions he had, 15 of them. Um, 340 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Ha- had two rushing touchdowns as well. He showed he could do it with his legs a little bit. Um, it was a weird game. You hoped it had meant more because a game like this, if it had that meaning, would have stolen headlines, but it just simply yeah. didn't. Uh, but it was a fun game. Rivalry games are always good to win, and um, it delivered. There's no doubt about it. I had to pull it up on my phone while I was at the bar because mm-hmm. they, they switched it off the TV. But uh, it was it, that's how good it was, right? I, I went out of my way to find it on my phone, stream it, and and – uh, watch the end of it. So it, it, it was fun, but uh, yeah, Drake Bay QB two. And, and t- speaking of this, this is just the, what could have been bowl, you know, yeah. I know you, you, you alluded to it. Duke, if Riley Leonard doesn't get injured is a much better squad than the likely eight and four team that they end up being this year. Mike Elko has done just a heroic job with this defense. They, they are really, really good. Jordan waters, had a good game here, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Grayson Loftus, like I mentioned, he had three touchdowns here. They look good, you know, and, and I, I wish that we could have seen something else from Duke this year if, if if Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt. And on the other side, I wish North Carolina doesn't fall asleep at the wheel in two games against Georgia Tech and Virginia. And if they don't fall asleep at the wheel there, even if they do it for one of those games, we're talking about them as, as a legitimate team. And they could still go win an ACC title. They could still go play in that game. They are alive in that race but drake may he's a beast just wasn't enough in those other two games and it's uh, amari and hansen continues to show that he's one of the best players just in general in college football this year he's he's been a fun running back to watch uh, 169 yards for him but i i just wish we could have seen these two teams play to their full potential more often 
than we did this season. But Abe, I want to discuss our college football playoff rankings uh, quickly as we finish up here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Thank you for everybody who's joined us, by the way. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe button while you're watching. Um, catch us every single Monday morning, Thursday morning, as we break down all of the college football action that you know and love. Abe Gordon, we're down to nine teams. I think that can even be in the conversation of a college football playoff berth. I really think that we're down to eight. Um, it depends on whether or not you want to include Louisville, who I have as the nine team in the rankings here. Right. Uh, that's where we're going to start right there. I, I don't, do you think that you would have a Missouri there? No, I, I mean, no? just so much would have to go wrong for either one to, to, to have a real shout. Yeah. So they have the one ranked win. Notre Dame, who's now a three-loss team, which is just not really good. Um, you have the embarrassment, embarrassing loss to Pittsburgh, which, yeah. again, is not very good. This is not a Louisville team that I, I see making a run, uh, any serious thing. They would need some true chaos to happen down the stretch. I'm talking Texas losing, Alabama losing, Oregon losing, uh, Michigan maybe losing. Like you need, you need some pure and total chaos down the stretch because I'm not putting a, a one-loss Louisville team in over a one-loss non-conference. Like I put a, the the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, over Louisville. That they just right. haven't impressed me enough. Right, and that's just where we stand. So let's move in. Let's continue rolling. Uh, number eight, I have Alabama. That's where I'm standing. The eye test. I'd give it to Alabama over Texas at number seven. Uh, who I'm assuming that would be your number seven as well. At some point, the the win has to matter. The eye test says Alabama. I think they've just been a better football team. And if they played today, Alabama would win, especially if it was at Alabama again. Yeah. But they have a double-digit win. And at the end of the day, that's the trump card. Uh, it, it, if you want to use that as the argument, that that's totally fair and totally fine. These are not the same teams that played in week two. Um, and and so I, I, I have no problem. Look, if you want to keep it that way, that's fine. I have no problem flipping those teams. I, I really don't. Um, if they played today, like you mentioned, that's not how the game would go. It's totally different Alabama team. Are we ranking what we saw in week two or, or are we ranking what we're seeing now? If we're ranking what we're seeing now, and I get that head to head should matter at some point. I'm sorry. If we're ranking what we're seeing now, Alabama needs to be ahead of uh, Texas. I think that this is one of our more interesting spots right here, because I think that's going to tell us a lot about where the committee stands as far as if, Texas and Alabama both run the table and are undefeated. This is where I think it's really going to matter. And this if is they run the table, they'll jump, they'll jump them. Uh, just, I think just so, because that would include of, a win over yeah. a Georgia team that is exactly the best team in the country right now. Um, and then they both have three wins over top 25 teams. I think Alabama's just looked better in their three wins over top 25 teams, if I'm just being honest. Um, but at the end of the day, I think right now, as, as it stands currently, the win is just going to be too much for the Texas Longhorns. The head-to-head matters. And normally, it's like I, don't, I, I disagree. now versus versus where they were then. But head-to-head, if those teams played each other, I think at the end of the day, that's got to matter. I, at least I, right I, now. If at it came right down now. to it, if it came down to it, and, and it was between these two teams for the fourth spot or whatever It'd spot. It would be Alabama. It would be Alabama. I, and yes. I think the committee would tell you um, – the way they're trending, the way they've looked, blah, 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 blah. This is not the same. I think they would tell you this is not the same team we saw lose in week two. Yeah. So let's move on. Oregon at number six. Do you have any other comments on that? No, you got it. I think Florida State's your number five team. I think Washington. I I agree with you. I think uh, on the heels of uh, another ranked win yesterday, Washington will have jumped Florida State. I agree. I think Washington is going to be your number four team. I have Michigan at number three. I disagree. Um, now I, obviously you're not as gung ho about the victory as I am. Not, not quite. Um, I, I would have jumped, uh, I would have Michigan have jumped, um, to See, at the two. end of the day, I think the win against Notre Dame for Ohio state is just that extra little tick in their box. Uh, is it as impressive as it was? No, I don't think so. And I think Ohio state has taken some hits just in, in terms of, like their resume has has deeply yeah. regressed. Look, I, is, I would have Ohio State three right now this week. I think that's I, fine. I, yeah, I would have them three right now. I would have Michigan two, and I would have Georgia one. After what we saw this week, this Saturday, yeah, where I I 
highly regard Michigan's win. Obviously, Georgia dominated a top 10 opponent. That's got to be enough. That ha- Even if you don't want to jump Michigan, that's fine. Georgia's mm-hmm. got to jump Ohio State at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and look, I think we both agree that Georgia's the best team in the country right now. The wins against Ole Miss and Missouri yeah. might end up being the best pair of wins in the country. Sure. Um, there's a very good argument that Missouri jumps to, to, to into the top, back into the top 10 or into that conversation right there. Not say back. They were never in the top 10, but I think they're, they have a very legitimate argument to be the 10th ranked team in the country right, right. now, um, especially after their win there. So then you have the win against Ole Miss. Granted, they're fortunate. Both of those games were at home. And I think that next week you've got a reeling Tennessee team who's licking their wounds and coming up against a, a more talented team. And they have less to play for right now. I was hoping that game was going to be an SEC East title showdown. Uh, but you know what? It's not going to end up being that way because Tennessee lost too many important games, but, and that's their fault. But, Georgia's the best team in the country. Um, I know that we talked a lot about how this is going to be the stretch of the season where we really figure out who they are. And so far, they have looked every bit the national title favorite. Yeah, there's no denying what they did yesterday. Um, That was the, you know, you talk about Washington beating Oregon. You talk about Michigan beating Penn State. I don't care that it was at home. That that was a, a dominant effort against a top 10 team. It was probably the most complete performance any team has put forth uh, all season. Yeah. And, and look, that's our college football playoff rankings right here on college football overtime. I think we largely agree, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of chalk most of the year, at, le- at least in the back half, uh, as far as these rankings are concerned, but Abe, it's not going to be that way for much longer because Ohio state played Michigan. That's going to be an incredible game. We're hoping that, so that's number two and number three. We're looking at potentially number four playing number six in the Pac-12 title game. We're looking at uh, Florida State, the number five team, potentially playing the number nine team. We're looking at Georgia, the number one team, likely playing the number eight team in Alabama. We have so many incredible finishes that are likely going to be happening. And I cannot wait next week. uh, Not as crazy, but then rivalry weekend is really, really where it explodes. And I am so very excited. We got a ton of big matchups too to discuss. Just because I say it's not quite the rivalry weekend doesn't mean we don't have a lot of incredible games that we're going to break down right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast coming up on Thursday. Thank you so much to everyone who joined us. Just an unbelievable week of college football. And it's un- it's it's so disappointing that we're nearly coming up to the finish line. It's been a crazy season. We've been so excited. And we're so thrilled that you've joined us right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. But that's it for us. Week 11 recap video, that's us, and we're done. (laughs) We are College Football Overtime for Abe Gordon. My name is Garrett Chapman. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at GChapATL, at Abe Gordon. That's where you get your all your talking points, all that news that you want and love right there on Twitter. But for Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. We are College Football Overtime. I'll see you on Thursday.